0: West Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. In the Bible, in the book of Exodus, God gave us commandments for how we should live, how we should act toward Him and one another. And right in the middle of really heavy statements like, You should have no other gods before me, and You shall not murder, He gave us the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and father. Honor. To regard with great respect. To recognize. To esteem. Today is Mother's Day. And the fact that God even added honoring your mother to the Ten Commandments should show us how important it is. But if that's not enough for you, how about this? While dying on the cross, Jesus gave us one of the greatest examples of how to honor your mother. In a time of intense physical pain and mental anguish, Jesus looked at his disciple John and then his mother Mary, and he said, Woman, here is your son. And then to John, here is your mother. You see, Jesus' ministry had been his mother's support. And with his death, what would happen to her? Maybe Mary had been so caught up in her grief that this hadn't crossed her mind. But Jesus, even in the midst of his suffering, thought of his mother's well-being. He used his last moments before his death to entrust his beloved mother's care to his beloved disciple. In one of the most important moments for all mankind, Jesus made a point to honor his mother. So, there are lots of things you could give your mom on Mother's Day. But let's not forget the most important thing. In the middle of all the fellowship, food, and fun you might experience today, don't forget honor. And not just today, but every day. Let's honor our mothers for all they have done. Happy Mother's Day.
1: Good morning, Quest. Or I should actually say good morning, family. Thanks. The one thing that Ross didn't mention is that um, what I want you to know about me is that I feel like this is my home I even love the smell, you know, when you walk in. It's just very comforting for me. And I came to this church in the middle of a really bad time in my life. And I've been here for 10 years now. And over the course of 10 years, I have found Christ. I was baptized here. I met my husband here. Uh, We were married here. My son was baptized here. And, of course, serving here has always been a pleasure. So thank you so much for your part in my life. Today uh, we're going to honor mothers, but really we're going to honor what I want to call our shared story. Um, and it's not just about moms, it's about everyone in our lives. So we're going to unpa- unpack two concepts, both what is honor and secondly, what is our shared story? And then how do we honor our shared story? But before I enter into those two concepts, I want to really make sure that we acknowledge that Mother's Day isn't always a happy day for everyone. Um, I know many people who have lost mothers and grandmothers, children, um, and today can be a really tough time for you. I want you to know that you're not forgotten. Uh, for those mothers in the room who want, you know, those people who want to be mothers, you're not forgotten in your journey to become a mother, whether it's through adoption or through um, other other means. And uh, I ask special prayers for my sister who she turns 42 and she still has not been able to have a child of her own. And there's nothing more than she wants was to become a mom. So whether it's through fostering or adoption or whatever, pray for those channels to open up for her so she can experience motherhood. Um, um, I want to thank you for uh, everything that you've done to help me build my perspective. And today I hope to bless you um, by returning that favor. Uh, Let us pray. Father God, we call on you to reveal your design in each one of us and the special story that you've included us in your story We thank you for all of the people that you've placed in our lives, and we ask you to really help us grasp a biblical perspective of honor today. We also ask that our learning, our worship, our service is honoring to you. All this we pray. Amen. All right, so let's unpack the concept of shared story first. Um, Shared story... Uh, I found a metaphor in a book. The book is called The Grand Weaver. And The Grand Weaver is a book written by Ravi Zacharias, R-A-V-I. And has anyone heard of Ravi Zacharias? He is an awesome apologetic apologist. He speaks some 100 miles a minute when you listen to him. He's got segments on 91.5, if you're from Columbus, Freedom FM, um, that Radio station was started by a former member of our church who passed away very early in life. But his legacy continues uh, through that radio station, which has sermons. It's great when I'm driving to work. I I work in Grandview, so it's a long time to get there. And I love to put on 91.5 and hear Ravi Zacharias. He only does 15 minutes, which is good because it takes several hours to kind of unpack what he has to say. And he um, has this book called The Grand Weaver, and it's a great metaphor for God. And I want you to think of that metaphor today as I talk about shared story. And picture all of the different threads that create a tapestry and that God is behind that and he's weaving all of these threads together. Think of your own life and the part of that tapestry that represents you and some of the bright and vibrant colors that are in there some of the duller colors and maybe the more delicate colors, some of the really strong, thick threads of your life and maybe some of the thinner, weaker threads in your your life. And how the part that is your life and how those threads connect to everyone else around. And we're gonna focus on those connections and how those threads intersect today. I know a couple months ago, we were in the midst of a sermon series that Ross and Jeremy were leading, and we went through homework. Did everyone do the homework where we had to get the post-it notes in the big chart paper and document our life story? And then we had to indicate which pieces of that story were pain points for us with a different color post-it note. Okay, those probably were some of the weaker threads that because of how you allow God to help you in those weak times became really strong. So there are things that you rely on or things you've learned from. Well, today we're not going to really focus on all the pain points. Today I want you to really think about your strengths and all of the great attributes. That's just the ceiling and the wind, so don't worry about the noise if if you're not used to it. Right, honey? That's all it is. My husband, Greg, is a facilities manager here, so he's like, it's just how it is. can't fix it. But I want you to think about all of the great attributes that you have, all of the strengths you have, how God has created you purposefully. And and I want to prompt you with that now because at the end we're going to pick up on that theme and I want you to have some ideas by the time we get there. So you can be a little bit um, focused inward throughout this. All right, so I've got a story I want to share with with you from the story um, written by, or the book written by Ravi Zacharias. And it takes place in World War II. And Ravi uncovered this story to kind of illustrate this concept of the Grand Weaver and his master plan and how we're all part of his story. So just bear with me as I read this out loud. This is an amazing story gleaned from the records of the United States Naval Institute following the Second World War. The USS Astoria engaged the Japanese during the battle for Savo Island before any other ship from the U.S. Naval Fleet arrived. During the crucial night of the battle, August 8th, the Astoria scored several direct hits on a Japanese vessel, but the vessel itself was badly damaged and sank the next day. Here's how the story is told. About 0200 hours, a young Midwesterner, Signalman 3rd Class Elgin Staples, was swept overboard by the blast when the Astoria's number one 8-inch gun turret exploded. Wounded in both legs by shrapnel and in a state of semi-shock, he was kept afloat by a narrow life belt that he managed to activate with a, s- a simple trigger mechanism. Up here on the screen, you'll see what that life belt probably looked like. Um, just made out of canvas. It had some tubes in there for air. And when it was deployed, it would inflate. And anyone who worked on a ship at that time would wear one of these under their clothes so that they could just deploy it when needed hopefully it was never needed. So that's what Elgin Staples did. At around 0600 hours, Staples was rescued by a passing destroyer and returned to the Astoria whose captain was attempting to save the cruiser by beaching her. The effort failed and Staples, still wearing the same life belt, found himself back in the water. Not having such a great day. It was lunchtime. Picked up again, this time by the USS President Jackson, he was one of 500 survivors of the battle who were evacuated. On board the transport, Staples, hugging that life belt with gratitude, looked at the small piece of equipment for the first time. He scrutinized every inch of the lifebelt that has served him so well. It had been manufactured by the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company of Akron, Ohio, and bore a registration number. Given home leave, Staples told his story and asked his mother, who worked for Firestone, about the purpose of the number on the belt. She replied that the company insisted on personal responsibility for the war effort, and that the number was unique and assigned to only one inspector. Any guesses? Staples remembered everything about that life belt and quoted the number. There was a moment of stunned silence in the room and then his mother spoke. That was my personal code that I affixed to every item I was responsible for approving. Okay, Try not to cry. The threads had come together in an inescapable way. The one who gave birth to him and whose DNA he bore gave rescue to him in the swirling waters that threatened to take his life. If an earthly parent can provide a means of rescue without knowing when or whom that belt would come into play, how much more could the God of all creation accomplish? By his sovereign will, we have come into being with an expressed and designed purpose. We don't always get to see the clear lifelines that God has sent along the way. But when we take the time to examine the connections we do know, our shared story, we begin to see God's purpose at work and grasp his sovereignty. Every thread matters and has a specific purpose. So think for a moment about your context. Who are your family Think of the many generations of your family, those who came before you, those who are coming after. Think of your friends, the different seasons of life and the different friendships that you've had along the way. Think of your community, where you live, where you worship, where you work. Think of your journey. So go back to that big picture of all of the ways God has worked in your life. The people in your life who has shaped you is what we're really going to focus on today. There's nothing accidental about God's design. It's not just who you are and your character. It's also about the design of your context. So let's honor God first by finding out what truly is meant by honor and letting him reveal to us the ways that he has been working in our lives through the people in our lives. So what is honor now? Honor is something we say all the time. Anyone been to an honors awards banquet lately? Yeah, recognition. You know, you got all those things this time of the year going on. We honor graduates, and we have parties to honor them. Uh, We uh, learned in the video that there's a a definition that's pretty well established to regard with great respect. And I love that because it's just not the same as respect. A lot of us seem to use the words honor honor and respect interchangeably as if they're synonyms, but note the distinguishing of honor being above respect. It's great respect to recognize, to esteem, to bestow value on something or someone. Think of the word value. I love to unpack really mighty big terms, almost conceptual analysis. Um, There's this... Um, theory and psychology that I use a lot when I work with um, leaders and it's called the Ikea effect. And yeah, I'm talking about the store Ikea. Who's been to Ikea or has a piece of Ikea furniture in your house? Okay, does anyone not know what Ikea is about? Okay, Ikea is the biggest experience of a store you will ever encounter. Uh, There's one in Cincinnati now. The one before that I used to go to is in Pittsburgh. My first exposure 10 years ago was in you know, San Diego, I'm like, why don't they have one of those here? But really, you need a whole day. One of the hallmarks of IKEA is that you buy furniture that you have to build yourself. Okay, and I don't know about you, but I haven't had a missing part. Now, I've messed up a couple of parts, but, you know, but I have not had any missing parts. So you buy this boxed furniture, and then you assemble it at home, and because it's not an American country, or company, and they're all over, the world is all icons. You put everything together based on just the pictures um, and, so, and numbers. It's kind of a universal language. And the IKEA effect basically says that we assign value to things that we create ourselves versus something that we just buy. So anyone who has assembled a piece of IKEA furniture or if you're a real craftsman and you build real things, like my stepfather does, then you have a different sense of value for what you created. Does everyone agree with me? You with me? Okay, the other things that you just buy at the store, although you might have spent more money on them, we still attribute more value to the things that we put together ourselves. Anyone a puzzle maker, okay? It's all like I could buy the picture. I want to put together the puzzle, right, Sharon? We got to put it together because you create it yourself. Maybe someone else thinks it's wasting time, but you have a lot of value in that. So think of if we as humans assign value to things we created, and if we all ascribe to the belief that God created us, let's go back to Genesis. He created us in whose image? In His image. Like, he didn't just, you know, he created the animals, so he, of course, values them. But he created us in his image. Think about how much value he has for us. And if bestowing value on someone is honor, how much do you think God honors us? I mean, he honored Elgin Staples in that way with his mother and this whole connected tapestry. So I want you to really grasp the, the largeness of the value that God has, the overwhelming value he has for us. Now, biblically, there are lots and lots of commands to honor. Of course, we know what today is about, honoring our mother. But really, it's every day. It's not just today. It's just a reminder. Anyone know what commandment that is? Did you pay attention? One, two, three, four, five. Good job, Joe. Joe teaches in children's ministry, so of course he knows. And Sharon got you over there. This is our fifth commandment. And it is the only commandment with a promise in it. So it's the commandment that says, honor your father and mother. You know, and basically, if you don't, then there's going to be consequences. He promises that there will be consequences for us, but he also promises he's going to give us land. Here's what he said to, um, of the Israelites that he was going to promise them with land if they were to uphold this one commandment. It's how important it was that there is a promise and there are consequences. Uh, we are also commanded, of course, to honor the aged. We're Here's one that's hard. We are commanded to honor those in authority. Ooh, now let's dig in a little deeper. Anyone have a problem with authority? How about your boss? How about a teacher? How about someone in government, an official? I mean, we really don't ascribe to giving honor the way God wants us to, to everyone. And honor is a struggle. Uh, As I was researching this, I read that only with the humility of the Holy Spirit that we call to be humble and enabled by the Holy Spirit can we give honor to people and things that are hard for us. So, if you struggle with honor, with authority especially, just settle yourself and call on the Holy Spirit and try to humble ourselves. Um, That's what God has asked us to do. But really, all these different groups that we're called to honor, we really are also just called to honor everyone, flat out. It doesn't really matter. All these, I mean, I did a whole study. If you go to BibleGateway.com, has anyone used Bible Gateway? You type in a word, like I typed in honor. And guess what appeared? Every single biblical passage that had the word honor in it, 150 of them, by the way. So it's not like a little thing. It's really, really big and really important to God. And as I analyzed all of those, the one thing that kept coming through is that it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what position you hold, we are called to honor you. And as Christians, we are the ones responsible for leading this charge. Where is the honor in our world today? Anyone been out in the community lately? How about to the grocery store? Have you heard any children talking to their parents in a way that wasn't really honoring? i nodding. I see that all the time. Um, How about television? Anyone watch TV? Have you seen any television shows that just take this whole concept of commitment and honoring commitment and just throw it aside? It gets a little discouraging out in the real world when we see how much honor has been just removed Um, And we know that it's a really important virtue that God asks for us We've kind of lost our sense of honor The ability to honor friendships and to honor relationships our parents our leaders So if we're going to make a movement to change we need to start And how do we do that? So I want to give you some personal examples and some biblical examples. So biblically, we know that we honor God with our first fruits. We also know we honor God for caring for his temple. What's his temple? Each one of us, right? Our bodies, we are the temple. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And yes, when we all come together, we are the church and we honor God in that kind of temple too. So you weren't wrong. Just wasn't what I was looking for. Don't you hate teachers like that? Well, that's not really what I was looking for. It's kind of right. Uh, we also honor God through submission to His will, through obedience of His commands, through service of each other, and of course, through worship. Now, on a personal note, my husband, so I'll, guys, I'll apologize up front if this makes you look bad. <laughs> Greg opens the car door for me every single time we go anywhere. Aw, I know. And we'll be in the parking lot at Easton or something and someone will randomly come up to him and say, oh, that's so nice. I'm like, yeah, sometimes gets kind of annoying. <laughs> no, but he insists on doing that to demonstrate honor to me. And maybe I'm not such a good recipient all the time, but I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the motorcycle, he does lip, well, actually, I have to get on after him, so I don't throw the balance off. Yeah, learn that. Um, he also honors me by being present, being a cheerleader for me, and being my biggest encourager, and being committed to my marriage, our marriage. Now, I'll tell you a little story about Nate. Nate, where are you? Are you right there? <laughs> so, Nate's my son. Uh, he lives in Cincinnati. He's almost 24. And he did something about two months ago. Really, really honored me. He didn't even know he did it, I don't think. But he works uh, for a consulting firm down there, and he has all his projects. And he took all these Post-it notes and lined them up in his office on the wall. And he had all the different candidates and issues that he was working on. And then he had all of the to-dos underneath each one, right? So he kind of did a strategy, right? And he took a picture of that and he sent the picture to me. So I'm at work, I open up my text message, I'm like, what is this picture? I'm like, oh. So, here's the backstory. When he was in high school, he had a hard time staying focused. Anyone been there with your kids? Or yeah, middle school, he was kinda losing focus then too, but, and we used to sit at the kitchen table, And he would, we would develop goals, you know, three goals every semester, and one goal was around academics, one was you know, around his spiritual growth and one around whatever habits or activities he was engaged in. So we developed these goals together. Then we would brainstorm all the action steps for each one and each post-it note would have one. And then on a big piece of chart paper, we would have all his sticky notes with his goals and his action steps. And then as he completed each action step, he would rip the, you know, post-it note off and throw it away. So he felt like he was getting closer to attaining his goals. So... He also witnessed when I was, you know, doing a lot of my research, all the post-it notes all over my office on chart paper too. So I guess in a way, like I developed that in him and he didn't know, well, well, here's what was really cool. I mean, he thought about me. Isn't that cool? Like he did something and then thought, my mom taught me how to do this. She would get a kick if I were to take a picture and send it to her. And that's where I was like, oh, he thought about me. He was a grown-up, and he thought about me, and he took a picture. He sent it to me. I'm like, oh. So it, didn't really, it wasn't really about the strategy, but it was about that he thought about me, and he honored me in that way. I don't think we do that enough. Uh, so I want to challenge us today to think of some ways where we do think of people, and we make that connection, but we don't tell them. You know, why don't we tell them? Take a picture. Send a text message. I talk in my phone all the time now that I have Siri. So I could just, you know... Drive home and talk and send my text messages that way. Huh. But has anyone here read Gary Chapman's book called *The uh, Five Love Languages? Okay, well, one of his many, right? There's the five love languages of children, of teenagers, of men, of women, in general. And I think one of the best ways we can honor people is to really think about those five love languages. They are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts service and touch so maybe to honor someone I remember one time "Huh, oh, you're here Bob my stepfather my dad right here I wrote him a thank you note for something years ago and I remember asking him about it and he was like yeah whatever like r- words of affirmation is not his love language I could write till I'm blue in the face, and it's it's not going to connect with him. Now, if I were to come and work on something with him or help him with something, his love language is service. So he serves others. He'll you know, pick up at the drop of a hat. You know, just go and help someone. And I think he also receives love through service. Now, quality time. My mom, she just wants more more time from me. You know, so think about that. Maybe. It's not about buying the flowers to give to your mom today. Maybe it's about saying, hey, let's go to dinner and hang out, or let's go shopping, or let's just be together and do whatever you want. Maybe that's the biggest gift you can give to honor someone. So I think the best way to really talk about honor is to give you a great story. So I'm going to share what I call an exemplar of honor. And here's what your job is while you listen to this story. And I'm going to tell it to you. I'm not going to read it. Um, I want you to think about all of the ways that honor is demonstrated in this story. So just stick with me. Okay, I want to show you a picture first of the two main characters in this story. This is Stephanie and John. Stephanie and John, let's see, Stephanie was born 1916, John 1912, I believe, Um, They met because John's cousin uh, was married to one of Stephanie's sisters, and Stephanie comes from a large family. Her family um, immigrated to the United States from Czechoslovakia, and so she was born here and most of her siblings were born here. Uh, There were eight um, of of her, or her plus seven eight children that were alive and um, lived into adulthood, and there were three other children that didn't make it um, out of infancy. So really a family of 11. But she was the second youngest. So Stephanie was the second youngest in that family. Huge, huge family. And you've got John, who was born in Czechoslovakia and immigrated here when he was about seven years old. And so he wasn't actually a citizen when they met. So they met um, they got married in 1941. Remember history class? I'm going to ask you some history questions today. What was going on in 1941? All right, you get an A plus. World War II. Plus, I can of give you a little taste of World War II earlier. So, World War II was going on. He's not a naturalized or he's not a citizen, but he decides in 1942 to go ahead and get his citizenship. So he. Passes all the tests and becomes a naturalized citizen of the United States of America knowing full well What's going on again? and He could be Drafted very good. Oh good students. So he could have been drafted and Amazingly he was so here's a picture of corporal John Mondock right there. So he left his wife they had no children yet And went away to, actually, Europe, where he was stationed, and he was a propeller mechanic. While he was away, his wife, Stephanie, started to have some spasms in her legs. And it was a little weird. Didn't really know what was going on. Went to the doctors. Um, So she ended up going back because of this unknown thing that was going on in her body. She went and moved back in with her mom and her dad. And because she didn't want to stay in an empty house, you know, her husband's off in Europe, so she doesn't want to be there. So they take her in, and her dad, actually, uh, of all those children, guess who was his favorite? Stephanie. So he even gave her his own bed. And Stephanie, um, she was called actually Stephanie when she was young because she was supposed to be a boy. That's how much of a favorite that she was of her father's because his name was (laughs) Stephen with a PH. So Stephen and Stephanie. Uh, So anyways, uh, one night she gets up, goes to the bathroom, has to leave the bedroom, and collapses in the hallway because her legs stopped working. Her father noticed, picked her up, and called the doctor. And the doctor said that they needed to get her to come in. To the hospital. Well, here's the problem. They didn't really have um, like their vehicle, you know, they didn't have two or three cars in their driveway like we all do. So they had to figure out how we're gonna get her there. And a Taxicab wouldn't come and get her because she was diagnosed with anyone know? Polio, right? She was diagnosed with polio. They didn't know at that time if it was communicable. They didn't know how you got it and who else could be infected. So they didn't want to put her in a taxi cab because they'd have to clean the whole cab. Um, So they ended up, the only way to get her to the hospital was to have a hearse come and pick her up and take her. So the funeral home came and picked her up and took her to the hospital. She was taken to city hospital in 1944, October of 1944, and she was admitted into what they call their um, communicable, communicable disease ward. She was put into quarantine for eight months. So imagine yourself, eight months. Your husband is in another country fighting a war, and you are eight months in a quarantine ward on the sixth floor of a hospital. The only person who's allowed to come and see you is your mother. And how does your mother feel about you being <laughs> the favorite of the father and the family? Yeah, they didn't really have a great relationship. Um, but for most of the time, she was in there and she had a whole community of people around her. So I want to share with you a little bit about what some of the people who were in the quarantine ward say said about her. I forgot to tell you that she stopped writing to her husband when she was admitted into that hospital ward because she was afraid that he wouldn't love her anymore because she couldn't walk and why would he want to come home to her they'd only been married for a little over a year when he went away to war anyways so why would he want to come home so here are some letters that people who were in that ward with her, wrote to Johnny, her husband. Here's just a few snippets. Hi, Johnny. Just one of Steffi's bed buddies. She tells us so much about you, we all feel we know you and hope someday we really shall. That was from Gertrude. Come home soon so we can see you and so you can keep Steffi in line. She's getting too spry for the rest of us. That's from Helen. Jenny writes, Hi, Johnny. I've heard so much about you. I hope it won't be too long until I meet you. Your wife and I seem to be the troublemakers on this ward, but we really enjoy it. This is from one of the nurses. Hi, Johnny. I'm one of Stephanie's nurses. We have been passing this letter back and forth through the ward, Stephanie never guessing to whom and what we are writing, so you have the privilege of telling her all about this. Stephanie even helps us keep our morale. So I know she does a good job of keeping up yours. This is my favorite part. She's a jolly good fellow. (laughs) Dear John, may may God's blessings and watchful care be with you both while you are apart. And may he see fit to bring you two together real soon. Here's the last one. This one is from Edna. Dear Johnny, I've only known Steffi since last October. I'm specializing on the sixth floor plus Mr. Richards. Steffi, no doubt, has mentioned him to you sometime or other. Steffi is working hard to get out of this place. At present, it will be a little race to see which one of the two will be discharged first. They both have the same kind of braces. only Steffi has been on hers two weeks longer, so she has a two-week head start. It's been grand knowing and working with all of these polio patients. Your fellows are doing a grand job over there, and we are trying to do the same over here. We'll be looking forward to meeting you soon. Steffi's younger sister, Marge, would come and visit her at the hospital. Of course, she couldn't go in. So she would stand outside with her young son of her own, because her husband was in Europe fighting the war as well. And she would yell up to the sixth floor, and they would be able to talk from the window down. And at one point, John got a little worried. Why is Steffi not writing me? So Steffi wrote to Marge to find out why she wasn't writing anymore. And Marge ended up writing to Johnny to let him know what had happened. Now, he tried to get out of the army to come home. They didn't know when the war was going to end. There had been talk for a long time for it ending, and it still hadn't ended, even though now it's spring of 1945. And she, um, ended up, th- she was thinking about writing to Roosevelt. Everyone knows President Roosevelt? He also had polio to try to appeal to him to let, you know, her husband come home. But, President Roosevelt passed away in April of 1945, and the war was still going on. So that route kind of closed down. And by May 7th, 1945, the war ended, and then he got to come home on official discharge because the war was over. So she's a little, she's, you know, Stephanie was a little bit reserved about whether he would really come home to her or not. She was aware that Marge had written to John and that John knew of her circumstances, but she was still afraid. So Marge took her to the train station where John came, and John wasn't there. All these other servicemen got off, and she felt completely alone and abandoned. Well, it wasn't too long later they found out it was just a glitch in the paperwork. So I'm happy to say John did come home. And when they went back to the train station this time, he came off that train and he picked her up out of the wheelchair and spun her around and honored the commitment that he made to her when they first got married. So what happened to them after that? Well, they tried to have a family. It's kind of hard, though, when you, you know, are losing all your feeling from your waist down. Uh, to conceive and after they lost one child they tried again under doctors orders that she remain in the wheelchair the whole time she had to give up using the braces she tried to keep up using braces whenever she could but in order to get pregnant and to try to carry a baby full term she stayed seated so in her wheelchair well she did give birth to one child named Terry And then she had three other children after that that were either stillborn or had miscarriages. So they did have one child named Terry. And I'm happy to say that they also have two grandchildren who are me and my sister, Melissa. You guys were guessing, weren't you? I was like, if I cry, they're gonna know. I'm gonna be trying not to cry here. So on the left, you see, there's there's my grandma, Stephanie, and holding my mom. And mom's right here in the middle. Hi, mom. Say, so, wave your hands. That's a picture of you and your baby <laughs> right there. Then the picture in the middle is uh, Marge, my great aunt Marge, and my grandma. And my grandma's holding me. I'm the baby in that picture. And my aunt Marge is holding my cousin Christine. And then there's the four generations in the picture to the right. My mom is the beautiful, long-haired one standing up in the back. I'm the one not paying attention standing in front of her. And, of course, there's my grandma in the middle, Stephanie, and my grandpa, John, and my little sister, Melissa. So that's my shared story. Um, the one person missing who wasn't alive yet who is also part of that family is Nathan. So he is the only great-grandchild from that side of the family. Memories growing up. I want to expand a little bit on this. So my, I didn't really have grandparents on the other side from my dad's side because they had passed away one the, prior to my birth, and then when I was really, really little. So the, this was my grandparents. This was my home I was raised in. Every Sunday, and I think I've mentioned this to you last year when I spoke, but every Sunday, we, my mom took us there to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and we cleaned, and we cooked with Grandma, and we did everything. We took care of. It was, just, it was just the duty that was instilled in us. Uh, we all had our roles. We either were either dust mopping or changing the linens or doing the laundry or whatever. We were doing something. It's just what we did every Sunday and how we were raised. And we would sit on Grandma's lap, and she would wheel us around the customized kitchen. Grandpa had cut, made this kitchen where she could pull her wheelchair up underneath the sink and do dishes, and underneath the stove and cook. And she had tongs that she used to open every door <laughs> that there was. But the one memory that sticks in my mind is Grandma in the kitchen saying, John! John! John and he would get up and move right to her to take care of her whatever needs she couldn't get to so He was so obedient as a husband Um, There if you're aspiring to be a great husband. He is a great person to aspire to be like I came from a legacy of honor. I was taught honor. I was modeled Um, I just can't even tell you The blessing, I was 16 when grandma passed away and a little more than 10 years later, grandpa passed as well. But in those 16 years that I had my grandma, she and my mother modeled a lifetime worth of lessons and honor that influenced me today. And I am totally lost in my notes, but that's totally okay because I know where we're going. Just trust me. All right, so we are about to go into an experience where you are going to need some supplies. So, you need three things. You need a pen. If you don't have one, there are some in the aisles, in baskets. You need two pieces of paper. One is a little card, and the other one's a graphic organizer. It Should look like this, and like this. So, if you need any of these things, raise your hand. Tom and Wes are ready to bring some around. Okay, so this is just a graphic organizer to help you unpack your shared story. What I need you to do first is to put your name right in the middle. Just put your first name. Stick it in the middle. Oh, some people are still waiting for things. All right. So while we're waiting for the supplies, the story I just told, tell me some of the examples. Don't put this slide up yet. Okay. Tell me some of the examples of honor from my grandparent's story. Call them out. The marriage commitment. Thanks, Joe. The friendships, in the hospital. friendships in the hospital. They honored Steffi by writing and talking about how great she was. They honored John by encouraging him. They honored God by praying in some of those. Patrick. Right. Honoring by going back and taking care of the home and being there for grandma and grandpa. I thought it was amazing that he took his citizenship test in the middle of World War II. I was like, wait until the war is over because you can get drafted. But he honored his new country and went and served in the middle of a world war. All right, so everyone's got their supplies. All right, so this graphic organizer, I want to put your name in the middle, and now the next slide. (laughs) Here's where the earlier prompt comes into play. I want you to think about some of the strengths that you have. What are some of those attributes? For me, I put that I'm organized, I am strong, I'm logical, I'm a leader, I'm a learner, I'm loyal. How would you describe yourself? So we're gonna take a total minute, quiet, little background music, and I want you to think of six attributes to describe yourself and fill in that part of your graph. You ready for the next step? Yeah, you've got six? If not, you can fill it in later. Okay, now I want you to think of, for each one of those attributes, who in your shared story, where those threads connect in your life, who have helped shape that aspect of your character? Here's my example. My mom, you wouldn't know it if you first met her. She keeps lists everywhere, and she wants a plan for everything. And everyone says, Denise, you're so organized. Well, I actually learned that from my mom. So I put mom up there. And, of course, my strength comes from my grandma, my dad, Bob right here. He's very logical. But notice that there's one on here, leader. Um, That's a really, I don't know, interesting one. I thought about it, and I really wasn't sure where that came from. So... It's okay to put that it comes from the creator, your designer, from God. Because there are some things that he designed uniquely in you that are just being enriched. So that's okay. It's also okay to put multiple people. It doesn't have to be just one person in each bubble. So take a couple of minutes and figure out, think about, ask God to touch you and tell you who from your shared story has helped develop that attribute in you. They can be past, or they can be here. Oh, you can have multiple people, right? The same person in multiple, absolutely. And it's okay if you need more time. Just give yourself some time later today to finish that up. I'd like for you to look at that though and there's a big circle around it and that's really the Grand Weaver, our Father in Heaven, who has orchestrated all of these overlapping stories and our threads in our life. And he will continue to nurture us and to mold us as long as we allow him and to be open to new relationships with people who we can strengthen their threads and they can strengthen ours. Now before you go today, I want you to identify at least one person on your chart that you want to honor today. And remember, there's lots of biblical ways of honor, but you also can think of those five love languages. I want you to use this card to write to that person and say what you want to do for them to honor them. Maybe it's a thank you note. You're gonna use this card because words of affirmation might be a good thing for that person. And thank them for how they have developed you in this area. They might not even be aware that you attribute their influence on your life in that way. This might be a card, like, I don't know, if somebody really wants to have something done around the house and they're willing to spend, do some service for you. (laughs) My child's right here, so I'm trying. (laughs) That they will come and spend some time in the yard working with you to honor you because service might be one to cut down that tree. Or the card could be, I would like to honor you by spending quality time with you and let's set up some time to do that. So take a minute now and think about how you want to use this card. And if you want to write it out, because there are envelopes waiting for you in the lobby so that you can put it in an envelope and hand it to someone today or drop it in the mail as well. So use this card to honor someone right now. (laughs) Thank you. I will cut down the tree. It's for the God. Yeah. Okay. Some of you are waiting to do that later. That's fine too. Well, our takeaways today, we've got a few. We are all part of God's shared story. Everyone good with that one? Okay. God honors us because we are his creation. Remember the Ikea effect. We are commanded to honor. It's not really a choice we have. It's something that we must do and to live honorably. We strengthen relationships in all directions when we honor. So think of that tapestry and all the threads that we strengthen as we honor and that everyone is worthy of honor in God's eyes. As the children finish lining up, I want to read a poem to you about mothers. and try not to get too distracted because they're so cute. Your mother is always with you. She's a whisper of the leaves as you walk down the street. She's a smell of certain foods you remember. Flowers you pick, the fragrance of life itself. She's a cool hand on your brow when you're not feeling well. She's a breath in the air on a cold winter's day. She is the sound of rain that lulls you to sleep, the colors of a rainbow. She is Christmas morning. Your mother lives inside your laughter. She's the place you came from, your first home. And she's the map you follow with every step you take. She's your first love, your first friend, even your first enemy. But nothing on earth can separate you, not time, not space, not even death. Now let's let... These children honor you with their great singing.
0: Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit
1: us online at gotoquest.org.